Yeah, well, hi, everybody. I'm Vicki. I'm Lynn. I'm Bree. And we are... Telling on ourselves. So I just jumped right in because this is hilarious, and we don't even know who has first thought wrong, but That's I'm so off the hook because I did last time. So one of you girls has to have first thought wrong. So what's All up? Right. Who's wrong? <laughs> Wait, I'm pretty sure I had the first thought wrong last time about... Um, fighting in front of the tile guy the tile guy being oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah 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 you did, did. I, it's funny because i've actually been trying to think of one this morning and they're all work related pretty much across the board but i can do it um it's it's not one of my prouder moments but you know <laughs> oh well like then it's that. a good one <laughs> and it's it's um it's it 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 triggers a lot of things for me. So um, last Friday, we did a special pickup dinner because, you know, we're still doing curbside pickup for our seniors at work. And it was a Chinese New Year. So I had to do like regular five days that week menu plus do an extra dinner still within the hours that I'm allowed per week. So it was I was a little stressful, a little, a little resentful, but I, I got I worked through it and it ended up being fine. And I got it done in the amount of time needed. So I got a text from one of my co-workers um, when they were plating it. And he said, this looks awesome. Good job. And I said, thank you. And then um, the next day um, he forwarded me an email and he put everybody on the thread that I work with. And, and one of the people that complimented the dinner said it was an amazing dinner, very generous food portions. Thank chef Lynn for us. And um, everybody else on my team said, yay, good job, Lynn, you know, whatever, blah, 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 except for my director who didn't say anything. And I'm like, wow, I never get a good job. Thank you from her. And it started down that road of, you know, why, why doesn't she thank me and blah, blah, blah. I don't do this for the accolades anyway. And I know that, but it's just for whatever reason, this particular time I decided to pick out the one person that didn't say thank you. And I had to kind of work through that and realize that I don't do it because of that. Why am I picking on that? And to let it go. And I did let it go. You did. I did. So do you want to talk us through how you let it go? Because you said you worked through it. So like, what does that look like? Because I think other people, humans on this earth have the same exact issue. And I I think it would be helpful for them to hear your process. Well, in all the work that I've been doing very intensively now for like the last eight months, I, when I've had those feelings, whether it's resentment or I have that little that little tickle of anger. Um, I try to stop and pause. We always talk the magic of pause. And then I ask myself, what, why am I, what was my motivation for doing whatever it was in the first place? And that's what I did. I said, I asked myself, why do I do this work? And why do I put these standards on myself? And it's because I really enjoy um, helping because I do help these people to make their lives a little bit brighter during pandemic. Would I do it and still get that pleasure if no one acknowledged it? And my answer was yes. And that made me realize I'm not doing it for acknowledgement. So when I was picking out the one person that didn't give what I thought they should, those expectations, I had to ask myself, am I holding another resentment against her? Is there something else underlying under that? And, and then I was able to let it go. So you have to really pick it apart. You get to the granular level of why you're upset about something. And it's, it's being honest with yourself, which is really hard. And I don't like to do it because a lot of times it picks up on these, these little, um, I call them little ticks that I have of, um, long, 
long, long term uh, wagon wheel ruts of um, I'm not getting the respect that I need or I'm not worthy, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I have to work, you know, I have to dig into that and figure it out. And, and once I pull it apart, it's like I loosen up all those knots, then it's a lot easier to see where I'm going with it. Does that sound clear enough? That makes total sense. And it's very awesome. So thank you. So what, what's our, our topic today is love and dating and all that fun stuff, because guess what today is? It's Valentine's Day. And can I tell you, I, I saw the funniest meme the other day because I've never really been caught up with that. Even all the years I was in relationships, it's just not a thing. But I did see this meme that made me chuckle and it said, happy um, single awareness day. <laughs> that's awesome. No, Lynn, that's like a big thing now. The singles awareness day, like that is like trending for Valentine's Day now. It's that's what it's called now. <laughs> it's like the it's like the old Galantine's thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just never been a thing for me. Well, but is love a thing for you? Do you like love? I love love. Okay, good. Well then we <laughs> have something to form. talk about. <laughs> I know. I actually have a definition for dating. Well let's take a listen. <laughs> um and I like it was it was actually I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole with it because there was some fun it got a little too technical and analytical. Um but you know kind of when when we're talking about emotions sometimes you do need to kind of make it a little more dry. Um, so dating in the program is what I have romantic courtship, typically between two individuals with the aim of assessing the other's suitability as a partner in an intimate relationship. Dang. There That's you go. a good definition. I liked it. Determining <laughs> suitability. Are you suitable to get naked with? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, it's not, it's, that's a part of it, but are you suitable to deal with all my crazy on a day-to-day basis? <laughs> or am I suitable for yours? Exactly. I used to always jokingly say the secret to a good relationship is um, the amount of shit that you're, you, uh, that you're able to put up with another person. It's like, if you can deal with their shit. How much of your shit can I take? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> so, yeah. so we're talking, um, Lynn and I and Chelsea are all single and Brie is engaged to be married. So Brie, what's your take on this? On love or on Valentine's Day or on or dating? dating. <laughs> because you pretty much just had one relationship sober, right? He was your yes. first. Yes, I was very celibate. Well, actually, when I came into the program, I was actually dating somebody. I had a relationship. I don't know if you guys remember Mr. Manuel, Emmanuel. I, Lynn, maybe I didn't know you then, but Vicky, maybe I'm... Manny. Yeah, Manny. Um, I, what is my take on it? So I had always heard that you shouldn't date early on in the program because you're kind of a hot mess when you're newly sober. And it can be a distraction or a replacement for your drug of choice that could lead you back out. And I mean, I already, I, I, I mean, Manny was really super supportive. So I didn't really worry too much about him taking me back out, but I always did 
think to myself that I kind of wanted to get to know myself and be in a relationship with myself. So it ended up, you know, I, I could tell that I was kind of honestly, maybe like using him a little bit. Cause when I came in, I couldn't drive. So he was like driving me places all the time and I would let him use my car and like, then take me where I needed to be. So it was convenient. And that, so eventually, you know, I started feeling bad about that because you're working your steps and you're working your program and you're like, am I really feeling for this person what they're feeling for me? And the answer was no. So I did on that relationship. And from that point, I decided that I was going to focus on getting to know who I am and what I'm really looking for, like what I would look for in an ideal partner and kind of like what that looks like to me. And I the other reason I also stayed single, I'll be completely honest, is because it was kind of embarrassing to have to meet people and be like, hey, I don't drive. I don't have a license. I live with my parents and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> no big deal. Like, it's just kind of a lot. I feel like for somebody uh, you're, when you're dating, it's kind of a lot. Uh, so a little bit, a little bit of it was pride and humiliation, too. But so, yeah, I think I don't I don't think there's any rules for it, to be honest. I everybody's going to kind of do their own thing. And I know it's just a suggestion to not date early on in the program. It kind of worked for me. And I really do treasure that time that I got to spend with myself, getting to know myself is honestly, on probably some of the best years of my life. Like, I think it was like a solid two years before I met Dave. So like, yeah, that's just, and then when I finally was, in, you know, when I met Dave and was in a relationship with Dave, like I knew what I stood for and what I wanted. And instead of being like a pushover, like there were some things that Dave and I seriously disagreed about and some things that like some behaviors and patterns he brought into the relationship that like I was not okay with. And instead of being walked all over, I'm still very firm on a lot of that stuff and being able to stand up for myself and be like, well, this is the way I am. So you're either going to love it or you're going to leave it. And I would not have done that before. <laughs> Like if I would have just jumped into another relationship, I would have not been like, had that conviction in me to say, Hey, love it or leave it. Like, this is a part of me I like. So if you're not down with it, there's the door. I don't know. That was long winded. No, no. it was awesome. Yeah, it's good. And, and, and I think maybe we should unpack this whole concept of, uh, not dating the the advice that's given to us. Well, and 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 there's an overarching advice, and this is simply in the the uh, program that we attend. Um, and it's don't make any major changes in the first year. Um, and and dating, if you're not dating, can be a major change. And um, and so the idea is that a lot of times we. Uh, have cross addiction, I think. I think I think this is my take on what I think this this suggestion is in place. Okay, so this is an opinion. This is not a uh, this is not a statement. But I think it's so that um, most importantly, so that you can kind of what Bree said, get to know yourself. But also the cross addiction of. I think a lot of alcoholics, me being one of them, can be very codependent. And um, codependence is a real uh, thing for me addictive-wise because it triggers a lot of my desire to um, disengage with life, to numb. 
And I think that when you get into a relationship, not only are you dealing with the fact of trying to stay sober and trying to figure yourself out and trying to go through this or going through the steps, not trying, you're going through all this stuff. Then you got to add another person and all their stuff. So what I find interesting is um, the idea of dating someone in the program or dating someone not in the program. And, you know, I have my history is kind of, you know, not glorious. I, I was married when I came in. I got divorced. I told him that I wanted a divorce right after I got a year sober. And then after we um, got separated, I started dating someone who was in the program. And he relapsed. And that was hard. That was really, really, really hard. Um, and then I said, okay, I'm not dating anymore. And I didn't date. And I didn't want to date anyone in the program or out of the program. And then I met someone and he was out of the program, but he really didn't drink. Dated him. That went really well for a little while. Then pumped the brakes on that. That was just, you know, ended shitty both times because we tried to get back together and ended shitty again. Um so for me, I'm like at this state of confusion with dating because I don't know that I want to date someone in the... Per like alcoholics, love y'all, I'm one of you, but sometimes annoying as fuck, right? <laughs> like, here, sorry, here. <laughs> but we can be really self-centered, selfish, you know, so... It's a, it's a, this is a good topic. This is a sticky wicket. It is a slippery slope. Well, um, before recovery, I was a serial monogamist. Um, I couldn't be alone. I didn't want to be alone. I didn't know how to be alone. It terrified me. And then, um, like with Brie, when I did go into recovery, I needed to be happy with Lynn. And the biggest discovery, the biggest aha moment for me is that I realized that if I never find the, not even the one, if I never find a companion, that's okay. I'm going to be okay because I have a rich, amazing, full life with the people in my life. And, and I know that I'm going to be okay. Um, now to find someone, yeah, it would be fantastic. It would be like the icing on the cake, but I can live on the cake alone. So I, you know, that's, that's kind of where I am with it. And I did, uh, try dating, um, recently. Um, it was a big leap of faith. And, you know, especially dating during pandemic, there's the, its own set of issues. And I met a guy online and got along great. I felt like things were going pretty well. And then he ended it. And I found out through another conversation and just through me, like going back and looking at conversations analytically, he wasn't comfortable with dating a sober person. That was too much. And so that was like a big wake up call for me. It's like, oh, even when I, I don't care if people drink, but I'm uncomfortable for them. So that's another layer to it when you're dating someone outside of the program is that that has to be part of the compatibility thing. And, you know, I'm at the stage of my life, age of my life, where if you're still partying all the time, there's probably a problem. You know, I'm in my fifties now. So if, if your focus in life is still to, you know, hoop it up every weekend, three, four or five days a week, then I don't need to be around that anyway. Um, that's just weird and not comfortable for me. Lynn, the irony of, you know, because Dave is a normie and Dave 
I wouldn't say he likes to drink because he's got some health issues that when he drinks, sometimes it like exacerbates him not feeling well. But I mean, he likes wine. He's a connoisseur of sorts of like wine or whatever. But I lucked out because the girl he dated seriously, his serious relationship prior to me was such a hot mess of an alcoholic and an Adderall addict that when he met me, he was like, oh, it's so wonderful you don't drink. Like I couldn't ever get my ex to stop and she's still out there and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, even though he's, he drinks and he's normal, like he doesn't drink a lot and he like, doesn't ever want me to drink. He's always like, you know, he does appreciate that my sobriety is going to come first. Yeah. Which is a great point, Brie. Sobriety has to come first. And when you start a relationship, everybody needs to have that conversation. You know? I think um, a couple things. But when I was thinking about, you know, why we don't want to change anything when we come into the program and maybe, you know, another reason why they suggested is when we come in, we really, well, I, I should speak for myself. I didn't have any of that self-love, self-worth. Like I truly hated myself. I was ashamed coming in off like a DUI. I knew that I was always trying to like just people please and say what other people wanted me to say just to try to get you to be my friend or to try to like me. So I wasn't authentic to myself ever. And that first year, you really get to do some deep work, hopefully, you know, if you dive right in. And be around a whole bunch of people that like love you. We always say like people that'll love you until you love yourself, but like truly show you that it's possible and you're worthy of love and you can come to a place of self-acceptance with however and whoever you are and like meet yourself where you are every single day, which is totally like something I had never experienced before in my life. So I think that's another reason why, I mean, it just is hard to date in your first year if you're not doing any of the work or if you're not done with it yet is because you probably, or I, I would have still felt like not in love with myself or not totally, totally accepting of my own self. And how can you ask that of somebody else? If you're not going to, if you can't be in a place with yourself of of that. I love, oh, go ahead, Lynn. Well, I was just going to say, um, it's what you said earlier, Vicki, about your codependence rears its head. And especially in that first year, you're learning why you have that. Um, I don't want to date an alcoholic. So uh, Ch- Chelsea's asking us if we would consider an online dating app and um, geared towards sober living. And there's a lot of them. So we'll we'll name them here for you right now. Have you heard of these? Single and sober, 12-step match, sober single date, AA dating service, (laughs) sober dating service, sober and single, sober Lee. And I personally, because I've dated two alcoholics, I have no desire to date another alcoholic. Um, But I also, like Lynn, would never want to date someone that parties. Yeah. So never say never. Never say never. I know. Yeah, it's the person. You know, it's interesting though, when I first, like after the first year, when I was starting to kind of get some good, more stable footing in in my life and feeling like I was starting to come into the self-love and worthiness and figuring out that, yes, I am worthy. I had this realization one day, it's like, I'm just going to have to date a sober person because I can't imagine how I would navigate this otherwise. That has changed. 
I, I now know that I am very strong in my convictions that I know my sobriety has to come first. And like you were saying, Bree, about your boundaries with Dave, that you you have some no negotiations about some things. I'm the same way now too. So I'm not in that, that precarious position where I would be feeling like I needed to compromise when I wasn't comfortable. I, I know I wouldn't do that now. So um, I call those deal breakers, the deal breakers. Yes, exactly. And I feel I'm more stable and more comfortable now. So I know that I could date a normie and and be able to stay very clear about what those boundaries are. I remember what I was going to say. It's about... um, it's about this loving yourself. I think what what my favorite part of recovery was once I stopped being pissed off that I could never drink again. Um, it took a little while for me. But once I stopped being pissed off, it was this adventure of finding out who I was and what I liked and what I didn't like and what I get to do and choosing my own stuff and not having to explain to someone where I want that picture hung and why and they don't want it there. And like all that accommodating I used to do I didn't have to and it was so fun and awesome and so I guess to your point Brie it's that whole concept of um, when I come into a relationship and I know who I am it's a lot easier to navigate because I do have this this ability to speak what's important and what's not important. Whereas before I would just say it was okay. And then I'd be pissed off about it. And then I would get drunk and then I would throw the the chocolate shake, the ever famous chocolate shake. So, you know, (laughs) chocolate shake volcano. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird how for me, it seems very clear now um, how I will be okay with or without a person. When before it seemed it was scary. And that's that's why I was that serial monogamous and would give in to whatever just so that I wouldn't be alone. And that's not that's not me anymore. And it's funny because I was actually talking to my roommate the other day about we were talking about relationships and dating and all that. And I said, I don't even know if I want to live with a man again. I really, really like like doing my own thing and, and being very independent. I, and my lens perfect world would be, we would have the townhouses that are side by side. <laughs> we can go back and forth and we can have our conjugal visits. <laughs> and then we go back into our own space and we do our own thing. <laughs> That's my perfect world. <laughs> Lynn, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Just get one of those houses that has like, you know, the split. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You do your thing. I'll do mine. Then we'll come together. Yep. Uh Yep. When when we need to. Um, (laughs) So what about you? Would you do the sober dating apps, Lynn? Yeah, I would. I'm pretty, I'm trying to be open-minded about it. Um, And I haven't dated an alcoholic, so I'm not, I don't, I don't have that, um, that pre it's not even well it's kind of uh the pre um i forget the word now bias yeah the frustration resentment fear um and in all honesty i'm not saying i would never date an alcoholic i think for me the the um the caveat would be how sober they are, what how they live their life. Do they really live by the principles? What does their life look like? And I think that's for any human, whether they're alcoholic or not. 
Yeah, actually, I have a really good friend who's um, in a, a she's in a long term relationship and um, he wasn't sober when they first started dating, but he did get sober like two years in and he goes to meetings, but he's never really worked the program. He doesn't have a sponsor. And when we talk, it's she has a lot of frustration and um, I would be the same way. I don't judge her at all because when I'm listening, I'm like, oh, I totally be the same way, too, because it's hard. It's hard when you're doing all this work and you're seeing all how great life can be when you do the hard work and the growth. Why would you not want to? That's, that's, you know, what I'm thinking in my mind. So if I were with, if I were involved with someone that was just very okay with status quo, um, I wouldn't, it, it, well, it wouldn't work. I just couldn't do it. No, I was, I mean, I'm just, I'm just kind of soaking it all in, you know, I, I'm listening, obviously, you know, I, 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 you could feel that way about somebody who's not in the program too, you know, mm-hmm. I in the program and not working it and then having somebody who's the normie and not in the program. I mean, that's kind of my situation as I'm, I'm like, sometimes I want to be like, I wish you would just work this, you know, today, like the steps yeah. are so great. You should work them. Or like, you should go to Allen on and work the steps there. You know, I just, it doesn't matter. I think if you are in the program, I'm, I'm trying to speak from my own experience you know, instead of generally speaking for other people now, which I tend to do. So I don't know, but like being in the program, I value self-improvement and growth. It's almost like addicting to a certain point, whether you're always perfect at it or not, like I'm not, Um, but it's attractive to find that in somebody else. So whether they're in the program and not working the steps or they're out of the program and not working the steps, you still kind of want that, I think, in your partner, or I, I, I look for that. So sometimes it can be frustrating. And I'm always, whenever Dave does something that's like, self-improvement team was like oh that's so awesome keep going you know like he's into this Tony Robbins thing now and we're gonna do like a little Tony Robbins weekend immersive whatever and that's gonna like be awesome for him and it's like but it's like a big thing for him because he doesn't like sit there and read you know Wayne D- D- Dwyer Dyer and you know John C. Ma- Maxwell he's not like a self-improvement type of you know who rah rah person like I can be sometimes so um, he also probably doesn't have as much to unpack as me. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, anyways, it's, it's just, um, I, I have to remember that everybody is on their own journey and path and I can't just like shove personal development down somebody's throat or spiritual growth down somebody's throat, even though I want to, that's something I have to pray for. You know, that's, you know, have my higher power, my higher power has to take care of that stuff. And what it seems like from being in the program and watching other people in relationships and going through relationships, um, even friendships, what I've discovered is if I am taking care of myself and my side of the street and coming to the relationship with love and tolerance, like we talk about, uh, it tends to work itself out for the most part, you know? And, And I am able to... I think the biggest part for me is that speaking my truth and saying how I feel in a way that's not mean. So mean what I say, say what I mean, but not mean. Mm -hmm. I have found that my blueprint for my life is open, honest, willing. That's what I always go back to. Am I being open, honest and willing? And like you said, Vicki, if you keep your side of the street clean, you come to it with a with a loving, clean, clear heart then let it play out. And you know, that guy that I dated briefly, I, 
in hindsight now, I was disappointed at the time, but I'm so grateful that he was able to see that that was going to be an issue, you know, so it didn't drag out. We didn't get more attached. So I'm very grateful to him that he was able to be honest with himself, you know, because I would have tried. You know, I'm all about beating a dead horse, see if it's going to get out. (laughs) Hell yeah, Lynn, me too. (laughs) Eat that dead horse. (laughs) Um, I have a book recommendation. Now, this is the book that somehow found its way into my path and on my journey. And I read this book. There's an activity in this book where it actually has you write down um, what you want, like the, the things you want to attract in your mate, so to speak, your like ideal person. And it breaks it down into eight levels. And you start really surface level. What's the book? It's called If the Buddha Dated. Ooh, I want one. I'm in. It's called If the Buddha Dated. And uh, it really kind of opened my eyes to, you know, what, like, asked me some good questions about, like, who I would be and show up at, show up as, as a partner. Um, And what to, you know, I, I don't know. So anyways, and I wrote down everything that I was looking for. It's kind of cool. It goes from physical material. So like what somebody looks like all the way to level eight, which is like the essence of somebody. So you like work your way down and write out kind of um, what your ideal is. And it really challenges you to think like, really, what is my ideal? I remember I was writing the list and I put on there, um, like, I can't, I like put on there like, camping or something. And I mean, I like camping, but I like when I show up to go camping and everything is all ready for me. Like, I don't think I necessarily like love having to like plan and do camp. Like, so I was like, I don't really need that in a partner because like, I, it's not something that it's, it's like, it's fun to me, but it's not everything to me, I guess. So I don't know. It's stupid example, but it's kind of cool to put it all down on paper and then to like, look at it and then actually assess like, is this what I really want? Or is just, just what I think I want? Because we can trick ourselves into thinking we want something out of somebody that we, if we had it, we, it would probably either annoy us or we wouldn't really want to do it or go whatever. Well, I think that exercise is super important. And I think on the, on the Habit Mastery Summit, one of the speakers was talking about it. Dig down into see if it's something that I want or something that was put on me that I think I want because other people really want it. And and that's a really powerful exercise in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you're putting the law of attraction out there and setting your intentions. And I love that, Bree. That's, yeah, thank you for that recommendation. Yeah, really quick. One last example was sports. I always thought I wanted a guy who was super into sports because I thought I was into sports and I realized that I was not, I would be annoyed if I had to spend all of my Sundays watching football all the time, weekend nights, watching basketball, watch, having to watch baseball for seven hours on a Saturday. (laughs) And it, this book made me think. And so like, I didn't put it down. Dave is not into sports. I never have to watch sports and it's awesome. (laughs) Probably one of the top one of the top reasons I got a divorce. <laughs> but I thought, I thought because all the other girls liked guys that were like athletic and liked sports and did sportsy stuff. And I always knew guys that were sportsy guys. Like I thought that's like what I wanted, but when I was actually thinking about it and I had to choose, I'm like, wait, that's not really, I don't like spending my time that way. I don't want to go sit in cold. I don't want to sit in hot bleachers on a freaking hundred degree day. And I don't want to sit in cold bleachers on a 
10 degree day watching baseball or football. (laughs) No, thank you. It was funny. Somebody invited me to a Cubs game, I guess, two years ago. And I had said, no, thank you. And she's like, really? No. And I said, I can't think of a more private hell for Lynn than being stuck in a stadium and it's a hundred degrees and I can't go anywhere and I have to stay there for, I don't know how long, for as long as the game lasts. That to me is hell. <laughs> with, with, with swamp ass because you're sitting at, sitting in the heat and you. And I don't know how long it's going to last. <laughs> I just know. <laughs> So I'm, I'm with you there, Bree. It's like, I have no interest in dating a sports fanatic. Not to mention that those guys usually are into gambling and all the crazy. And it's like, no, thank you. Yeah. So yeah. I know that was like a super random um, point to make about it. But the other point is your person is either out there or the per- your person is you, maybe both. Well, definitely your person is you to start with. And then you don't have to settle. You really, truly don't. So I highly recommend if the Buddha dated. I love it. And, you know, that's the discovery that I've made with my um, journey so far in self-growth and discovery is that I'm okay with me. I'm I'm very happy with me and that'll be okay. I won't feel like I've had a disappointing life, you know, if I don't find that companion. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we're ready for golden nuggets. Yeah. I mean, I guess my golden nugget is just about from the journey that I've been on myself is that, you know, yeah, you can't just be okay. First, just fall in love with yourself. Truly like the best gift I ever got. Yeah. Um, Brie, you said this and it really stuck with me is um, finding someone that values self-improvement and growth, but knowing that you can't force that on them. And that's really important. And I think it is important for me to find someone that does value that, but I can't make them have the path, the journey that I have. They've got to have their own. Yeah. My golden nugget is getting a house that has separate rooms. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> You're so funny. I love that. Um, I think that really it always comes down to for me is just this concept of if I am love, love will come to me. So um, I'm, I'm in that space and that's, that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm really excited. We're going to have a love expert on the show uh, next in the next episode. So uh, Katie Hendricks will be on. She is her and her husband, Gay Hendricks, her husband wrote a really amazing life-changing book called The Big Leap. She's going to be on the show. We're going to interview her. So we're going to be talking about conscious love. So this um, conversation is going to get even deeper. I can't wait. I'm so excited. And yeah, props to Vicki for uh, lassoing that in interview for us. It's, it's going to be really cool. And I uh, hope you all enjoyed our take anyway on um, it's love in times of pandemic and recovery. <laughs> yeah. Just just love yourself and, and then set your boundaries is what I kind of took out of this one. Mm-hmm. And be open, honest, and willing. Yeah, baby. All right. So wait, please rate, review, share all the things. If you know somebody that is sober curious or that might need to... Um, might need to talk about dating. Uh, We've turned into a dating. Uh, Just kidding. Anyways, please rate, review, love us. We love you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Um, That's all we got. Tribe out. Tribe out. Tribe out.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Telling on Ourselves. Please rate, review, share, subscribe, download our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you want more Telling on Ourselves, please find us and follow us and like us on Instagram and Facebook at Telling on Ourselves. Tribe out.